you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com. One place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. If you don't hate losing, get the out of here. It's about being great in this room. I'm tired of talking about it. Do it. Do it. David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. It is not about being bleeping great in this room, Studio 66. Thankfully, mediocrity will more than do on even a good day. Hi and hello, football fans. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program. Seated to my immediate left, my main man, for five episodes now, talking about Amazon, NFL Films, All or Nothing, the great documentary series, Season 2, L.A. Rams uh, specific. You have heard us talk with A.J. Hawk about his comparisons and, uh, and his contrasts. We've talked with Carson Palmer. And uh, and coming up in just a minute, we're going to talk to one of the two directors of this season of All or Nothing, uh, Shannon Furman. Looking forward to catching up with her on her insights. But first, Brian, when we started doing this, I don't even know how long ago it was now. I didn't know. I thought, well, I mean, is is going to be engaging? And you know, is a is Brian? Does he is he want to talk about football for? It's it's been received. Uh, it's been gangbusters. The, the the Czech Republic out there has swooned for you. Really? They've insisted that you come back on the show. Wow. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm on the okay fence. Okay. I'm on the fence. Okay. Let's see how today goes. Okay. No, I listen. Let's we, we I, I would uh, I would love for that to to happen going forward, but uh, but you're, you know we, we've really been talking about this series, and I thought can we do five episodes talking about a seven part documentary series, and I feel like we have we we could go on and on for another twenty hours here. Well, it's I think a it's football, so you can talk about that a lot, mm-hmm. as you know. Yes, uh, and B what this show does is now you're seeing people's personalities. Uh, and, and you're getting to see the re, you know people behind the veil at least a little bit, and then see this unbelievably remarkable uh, moment as we learn from Keith Cosro Cos- that uh, you know in 55 years they've never been inside the huddle if you will for a losing team and NFL Films has that and uh, and and you know has, has captured. The emotion, uh, the day Jeff Fisher was fired, which, you, you know, I mean, the, you talk about great dramas, and I love great drama. I was actually on a great drama on uh, on Amazon uh, called Hand of God. But if you, you talk about great dramatic television, it's hard to beat, actually, you know, specifically episodes six and seven 
of, of this series, uh, it, particularly if you like documentaries and, and you like football. It's uh, I, I just think it's it's super compelling. True, true uh, to all of that. And uh, again, on Amazon, that's where you track it down. And uh, it's spellbinding. And I know that cynics out there say, yeah, but it's a losing team. You know, it's a, how, how compelling can a losing team be? And of course, it's extra interesting because you watch Jeff Fisher's. Right. I mean, it's the low water mark, but it's the high water mark of uh, of this season here. What I, I but uh, but before we got into into it with Shannon, I just wanted to say thanks for jumping in with us because it's been great fun having you roll through well, thank here you. and thank uh, you for and talking and sharing golf stories with your pals uh, Carson Palmer and uh, and AJ Hawk, our mutual pal. Yes. Yeah, I was glad you could be here for the retirement ceremony of his uh, jersey on the digital wall of fame. Unbelievable. Here in studio. It was emotional for me. You, at minimum, are now eligible for a nomination for best non-football playing guest when the Shecky Awards. Wow. I didn't say he will be. Wow. I didn't say with the applause. I said he's eligible for a nomination. Time will only. No, I mean, I didn't say he's not getting it either. No. What about the Wall of Fame? I mean, what do you need to be in the Hall of Fame? Well, what would be what would you put up there? I mean, there are bobbleheads of me. Oh, there are. There's not really any jerseys. No, no. I'm trying to think. Did uh, so? So Kevin in the office didn't have a particular tie or anything like oh, that. Oh, well, yeah, I've got some ties. I've got some ties. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. All right. You know what? I, to the matter at hand, we'll continue to kibitz about that as uh, as the calendar year moves forward. Right now, let's uh, let's kibitz with her. Right now, like I say, one of the two directors of uh, of a great season of All or Nothing. Here she is, everybody. It's Shannon Furman. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? I'm fine. I apologize for you know the big wind up there, but uh, you know we've been yapping about uh, the great series for the last uh, month and a half now, and so I wanted to uh, to, to thank Brian for don't, it. Don't don't apologize. You're right. I, I'm sorry. No, don't apologize. Apology retracted. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> How well, are I got you? To hear some good golf stories and stuff. A seven point five handicap. That's pretty impressive. Oh, see that? <laughs> yeah, that's a compliment. Most of the people we've been talking to only make fun of me and my golf game, so it's refreshing to have a compliment. Well, I had to, you guys are gonna laugh because I'm actually Coach Fisher invited some of us to play in his golf tournament this weekend, so I had to report my handicap and let, let's just say it's a little higher than that. <laughs> what, what? What? Where is? Where is his golf tournament? Are you uh, allowed in to say? Montana. Montana. Yeah. Oh, okay. The land of earthquakes. I don't know if you've heard. I, I did hear that last night, so a uh, little nervous, but still, I'm still looking forward to it. So what's <laughs> so uh, from where you sit, what's the reception been to to this season of All or Nothing? Uh, I think it's been pretty positive, which is great because when I left there in January, I had no idea what to think. I. I Keith and Nick and a lot of the guys back home and girls that edited on the show did a really great job. Um, it was it was a long year. It was a long, emotional, exhausting year. Is that the? I, I don't know how much experience you have with um, with scripted stuff versus uh, you know uh, documentaries, but I imagine that's the experience of making a documentary: is you shoot and you shoot and you shoot and you can never shoot enough stuff, and you still don't know what you have. Right, and then you have to call through endless amounts of video to figure out uh, how to tell a story. How uh, that seems nearly impossible from uh, you know for for a dummy yeah. like me. Yeah, I mean it's very different because I'm um, the assistant director on Hard Knocks, also. So the two shows, while they seem similar, um, have a lot of differences just in the turnaround time and stuff. For Hard Knocks, I mean everything is happening in the moment. With mm. All or Nothing, you have all this downtime. So the one example I think Keith and I probably use a lot is like if there's a fight during training camp, I mean, that's going to be our big climax. That's your big storyline that week. And all or nothing, if there's a fight, it probably isn't even going to make the show because no one cares unless that character has a big play in the game that week or something like that. So um, with with this show, you have a lot more time to figure out who your characters are on all or nothing and build stories around them. Um, but that being said, the more time, especially here at NFL Films, the more time you give us, the more we're going to keep changing things and trying to make the story as good as it possibly can be. So uh, I know that was something that Keith, I saw him stressing over a lot, <laughs> the different rounds of shows. I mean, I, the show one 
changed so many times. The Seattle game was originally in show one, but then as the stories continued to play out, um, you know, that got pushed back into show two. Do you ever say <laughs> do you ever say to players like, that was good, Coach Singletary, can you go again though? <laughs> A little more dour this time? Uh, <laughs> I don't think I had to do that at all or nothing, but I have done that in the course of my career oh, before. <laughs> wow, there you go. I love Good, it. Good, yeah. Well, so what I was asking, so, you know, Hard Knocks at this point has a formula for what happens in episode one and two and three and whatever, whereas as this show, there's been two seasons, and, you know, obviously the Cardinals going 13-3 and three and going to the playoffs and, and really became almost a celebration or a feel-good mm-hmm. story. You know, this was quite different. And, and even the structure over the same eight episodes, you know, there's, there's, there's no football. The season's over by episode seven in this. So talk a little bit about the, the flexibility that that gives you uh, and, and the responsibility of, of sort of having to go with, with whatever you get. Yeah, I mean, Amazon gives us a lot of, you know, flexibility in that even the amount of episodes that we can have, it doesn't have to necessarily be eight episodes. So I think even as a lot of people were wondering, like, you know, where, why isn't the coaching search in the show more? Well, we thought we were done. Like, we thought when I left there on January 4th, I thought the show was over. Um, And then as Keith and I kind of sit back and Keith's back here editing it, and we start seeing all these guys signing with new teams. You see, like, William Hayes gets traded, and then Greg Williams goes to the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, our whole theme that we started with of home starts to kind of come full circle with, like, are you ever really home in the NFL? And that's when we started talking, like, should we go follow up with these people? Like, should we do an eighth episode and add on? So the fact that this is on uh, Amazon and allows us the flexibility to do more episodes and like you said, the timing and stuff, that's kind of where episode eight came from. Um, and it's also why you don't see as much of the coaching search as you know, some people have noted this past week. We kind of left there on January 4th and then started back up again over the next month, like decided to pick up and do some stuff at the combine um, and then at draft and then follow up with everybody in their new homes. So. Um, just the flexibility there allowed us to do a whole other episode, which I think was pretty interesting and something that people have never seen before. Yeah, well, and that's interesting that you that your sort of subtitle was home, uh, that that's what I heard from you. Because, see, for, for me, I guess it's kind of the same but a different take on it. I mean, to me, what you guys did such an incredible job of showing and, and what I would have subtitled it was moving. And the idea of moving and the three moves that happened before and moving and moving to London for, you know, a week. And, and then, of course, at the end, the episode that you're referring to, everybody's sort of moving again. And, and I know everybody gets it, but the, that the coaching staff is so tied into the head coach and, and, and the success or failure of that head coach that they're, that they're so tied in together. I feel like you guys showed that extraordinarily well. Yeah, I mean, that that's true. It's like even I remember Todd Gurley not realizing like that Skip Pete might not be his running back coach the next year. You know, after Coach Fisher's fired, like that day Skip sits them all down and tell it kind of tells them like I'm probably not going to be here. Now, oddly enough, Skip is one of the guys who is still there right now. But a lot of the players like didn't even I mean, they're young. The Rams, I think, had if not the youngest team in the league, they were one of the youngest teams in the league last year. So it's something that those players, like, you know, I, a lot of them didn't realize that their coaches were going to be gone next year. And that was something that in that week leading up to Seattle, a lot of the coaches had to sit down and kind of tell them and help them prepare for, like, what was to come. It's uh, – it, it, I, I was going to say unique, but at least it's a season of distinction for the Rams in the sense that very few teams ever move in, in, the, in a calendar year and then have to field a team. At any point, does anybody – Jeff Fisher, Kevin Demoff, does any – Les Snead, do any of the players I, – I, you know, we talked last episode with Carson Palmer, and I'm intrigued very often football players will – um, Demure, if you ask them, like, what do you think about what's going on in San Francisco? Like, oh, I'm not in that locker room. I don't know. Do these guys come to you and say, are we doing this right to, compared to what you've seen? Have you? Do, are we? Are we weird? <laughs> Am I meaner? As the, the, any of the <laughs> position coaches go? And do, do I seem too mean compared to the other coaches around? <laughs> uh, well, because all or nothing is so new, it's kind of funny. I would say maybe like 50% of the guys on the team 
knew exactly what was going on while the other 50% are like, what have we been doing? Like, what are these wires you're putting on us at practice? Where are they going? Um, I mean, a guy like Aaron Donald, he's, you know, he's football through and through. He came up to me like day one and was like, I know what this is. <laughs> like, I know, I know what we're doing here. I watched the Cardinals. Like, um, he also came up to me at the end of the whole thing and was like, Shan, if we were winning games this year, I would have done whatever you guys asked, you know, like, um, so that was nice to hear, but hard to hear because you root for a guy like Aaron Donald. Um, I don't think anyone ever asked if they were doing it right. There was always, like, Jared Goff was a really great sport. Um, he understood what was going on. He was a fan. He was great even coming into Hard Knocks and stuff like that. Like, he grew up watching Hard Knocks, so he was excited to be on the show, and it was nice for us to have a quarterback who wanted to participate and wanted to be a part of the whole project. Um, so he was pretty great in All or Nothing. I mean, it wasn't, you know, going the way we all wanted it to. So he would joke with me about, like, is it time to pull the plug? But then at the end of the day, you know, he said, like, that he was happy that we were there to kind of just, like, show how everyone is working hard. And nobody really gave up. I mean, yeah, there were games where they might have given up, you know, once they were down, like, 30 points and stuff. But honestly, like, just being there on a weekly basis, like, you heard how they had the whole 24-hour rule. Like when Tuesday, Wednesday, their first real day of practice was Wednesday. When Wednesday rolled around, it was business as usual. And like even Patriots week, like they thought they were going to win every game, which always amazed me because I was kind of like sitting there like, oh, well, you know, we're playing the Patriots this week. But like they always seemed like they were ready to go into it fresh and like every week was going to be a win. So uh, I don't know. I think they, they all did a good job, like just keeping their composure and staying together. I think that was something they said. Like, I really do think they stayed together in a really tough situation. Well, now, and you just said we. So that's so interesting <laughs> to me, right? So did you begin to feel like you were a part of the team? Well, it was eight yeah. months of your yeah. life, right? With, yeah. with hard knocks combined with uh, all or nothing. Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, like, I'm a storyteller and we're going to give you the truth and tell you the real story, but we were Rams fans here. I mean, right. Keith and I would be on Sundays. <laughs> Sundays were rough for Keith and I when we would talk to each other afterwards. I mean, just all the traveling around you did with them and stuff. They're like the Miami game, when Coach Fisher told me after the Miami game that that was the most devastating loss of his career, I mean, that hurt me too. Like, I'm, I'm rooting for Jared, and I wanted Jared to see Jared win that game. So um, it, was, it was rough. Yeah, you become a fan of everybody and like as people and as players. Um, so it, it was tough to go through it all. And, I, yeah, I say we a lot. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because you talk about Aaron Donald, and he is, you know, he's the most dominant guy at his position in the NFL right now. But, and he is a nice guy, but he isn't, you know, for your purposes in, in trying to be compelling, he isn't that sort of a figure. He's too focused on playing football, ironically, to, to, to be to strike a truly fascinating character. On the other hand, guys like William Hayes, do you <laughs> feel like some guys you, – you, Jared Goff grew up watching Hard Knocks. Are there now guys in the locker room who now perform to the camera? Because I feel like William Hayes, the whole dinosaur thing, is like, all right, you know, right? You, you, you're doing that maybe as a bit, right? Or no? <laughs> Um, I do think you find guys who do that. Uh, I think a lot of times, though, they end up like not even becoming characters because it's too much at times. Now, Will, like the crazy thing about Will is we had heard this whole dinosaur story at Hard Knocks and then we had been there for like two weeks and no one was talking about dinosaurs. So I was like, is this going to happen? Is this guy going to ever talk about these dinosaurs that we've hmm. been hearing about? And then... Once it happened once, <laughs> it was like we couldn't get it to stop happening. <laughs> I was like, can we please stop with the dinosaurs? So we toned down the dinosaurs on All or Nothing. I think we just got the Little Mermaid uh, soundbite in in episode eight. <laughs> but I think other, other than that, we kept the dinosaurs out of All or Nothing. But the guys do, I mean, you, you do, uh, uh, does anybody say, hey, that was pretty funny what I just did. Make sure that makes, uh, <laughs> makes the final cut. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Will does that. Will Hayes definitely does that. Uh, I, I mean, did Will that? What are you talking about? <laughs> Will is still asking me for, like, raw clips of the stuff he did. You were on a comedy, though. That was the difference. Like, yes, that was the, the point. Yeah, but the point is still the same. Like, when you know you've done something <laughs> Oh, I would do it, too. Clever, I campaign. You're like, 
you'll wink at the camera and you're like, you, you're going to get Did you out. hear the fiery speech <laughs> oh, no. I just gave? Did you hear there what? wasn't no. a dry eye in the house. That I'll, better be in there. I will turn to the camera and go like, <laughs> did you get – it? was I focused up on that one. You got you got you framed me up okay in All right, time. that's fair. That's fair. Um, well, so speaking of the television show that I was on for a long time, now it's a mm-hmm. different situation because, you know, in some ways you are – uh, supposed to be a fly on the wall to what's to what's happening, but I was on a particular television show where the the premise and the setup was the same, right? That that we had a documentary crew. This is the office that I'm referring to mm-hmm. that was there to yep. follow us around as though they weren't. And and but of course at times they become a part of the action in in both uh, in both scenarios. Um, my question to you, I guess, is because you've talked about. Um, uh, Coach Fisher, and you're going to go uh, play golf in his his charity event last week. The, the the friendships that you make working together so closely for such a long period of time. Do you find that that makes it difficult at times to stay uh, as neutral and unbiased as 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 you maybe should be if you're just covering the team? Yeah, I think it definitely is. Um, I think that's why it's good that there's a separation with me, with what I do and with what Keith does. Um, so I think Keith helps keep the whole thing honest back at home here. Um, but at the same time, we still work together. Uh, like I, I was nervous as to how Case Keenum might be portrayed and stuff. But then at the end of the day, like that is who Case is. Like, I mean, right. I think that we saw like what happened and everything with him and at the end of the day like when he's honest in his interviews with what he says like he's not gonna look bad um because he gave me honest answers there and then we're able to edit him the way he comes across so uh, yeah there's definitely times when i'm nervous and whether that's right or wrong um you know that's for other people to decide but yeah like i did make a lot of friends out there and I don't want to make these people look ridiculous because I watch them all work hard every day. And, like, I don't think that they would say that the work they did last year was an embarrassment, even though they went 4-12, and 12, you know. Like, they still worked hard all the time. And the NFL is hard. And lots of games are won and lost. Like, but, you know, I mean, the Rams were other, other than week one. Um, their next, I want to say, like, nine games. They were in every single game where things could have been very different. But that's the NFL, and the really good teams win those games. So, right. um, yeah, it was definitely hard for me at times, but I think Keith helps balance that whole issue out. Are you? Well, Keith, we talked with him a few episodes ago. Uh, he wears it on his sleeve. He's a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. He's on the yes. right side of yes. history. Oh, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, no, it's terrific. Oh, wow, I totally forgot. I hail Cosro's uh, football uh, team choosing ability. <laughs> um, pie in the sky. Well, I imagine the Steelers, the Giants, these teams that are famously sort of closed off would be the, the holy grail for you, although uh, maybe Belichick would be – the one, but yeah. did you learn from doing this on, like you say, a team that, that ultimately didn't have a very good year? Are you now mm-hmm. more intrigued, or all of you at films, looking forward with All or Nothing? Are you now sort of more open than you were like, actually, we get great stuff when the team is failing like this. And, you know, is there a team out there, I guess, for next year that that, that you have circled that, 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 boy, those guys following those personalities around could really be something? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, after last year, would like a team that wins this year. <laughs> that would be nice. But I think we proved to ourselves this year that and that all 32 teams have interesting things happening and different storylines. I mean, with the Cardinals last year, it was great because they were winning every week and made the football action great. Um, it made the games more useful, where I think this this show had more personalities. Um, it, we had to find the characters in this show. But... This show, there was more happening, actually. I mean, I think in every single episode, there was kind of a theme around every episode where I don't think we had that with the Cardinals because they were just good. They were just winning, and it was happy, and things were great. Um, this epi- this season, you know, there was a theme, whether it was, you know, the quarterback change to coaches firing, then John Fossil's show to the new staff. Like, every episode kind of continued something. So, um I think like the worst thing that could happen to us is probably having a seven and nine, eight and eight team where mm-hmm. nothing goes on. But e- even in that, like then your responsibility is to find the characters, to find the guys that you can make the audience care about. So that would probably be the toughest situation. But 
I mean, yeah, I'd love to just follow the Patriots next year and call it a day. That would be great. <laughs> and is that the least likely of yeah. all the teams? That's the <laughs> – <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, we have um we we're working on the next team and stuff. So we have a couple options that we're looking at right now. So hopefully that'll it? be decided. I can't say. Who is it? The Vegas Raiders, <laughs> man. You can tell me. No, it's totally fine. Who is it? Well, I'll tell you. I was I was totally skeptical about this, and and, mm-hmm. and sort of the same thing that you were saying when you left. When I heard like. The Rams and they're four and twelve and oh my god, like what? And but I tell you, watching it because of what you get to see specifically, um, you know, the day of Jeff Fisher's firing. I, I want to hear mm-hmm. a little bit about that from you, but it mm-hmm. is so compelling, and you feel like you're watching something that you have never seen before. You know, you talk a little bit about the Cardinals; they were just winning, and that was cool, and the football action. And you know, NFL Films has done that forever so effectively but this year being able to see that um talk a little bit to us about the day because you were there Keith talked to us you were there on the ground the day it happened so so tell us a little bit about how how that was for you having uh, established a friendship with him yeah um it was kind of crazy because coach was very convinced that he was safe that he was not getting fired I mean you saw in the episodes where his son, Brandon, was much more aware kind of of what was happening than Coach was. So, And that was all very real. Like, I mean, even when there were no cameras around and people would be talking, he was he was pretty positive he was safe. So after the Falcons game, um, I touched base with him and Coach McGinnis that night. They were prepping for Seattle. I, I don't I believe Seattle played Green Bay that, that Sunday. So they were watching the game tape of that, getting ready for Thursday night. Imagine how hard uh, that is, too. Does that, do you feel that looking at mm-hmm. them after a win and then after a loss? Do you feel like, yeah. man, I, I, I can just look at them and see that this is a grind trying to look at this team after getting humiliated by the Falcons at home? Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to grab dinner, and these guys have to, like, go back to work. They're not going to bed. They're not doing anything. They're getting ready to watch the next game because, you know, they're playing in three days, three, four days, not even. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a total grind. I mean, even watching their schedules on a weekly basis and how late they were there, like the night that we did film with Greg Williams and the air mattress and stuff, like, we do all of that in real time. I don't ask Greg to recreate that for me at 6 p.m. You know, we came in and did that at 11 p.m. And when we shot <laughs> – uh, Coach Fossil running. I got that a re- I got a seven thirty at uh, Bestia. Really don't want to miss it. So can we pace this up a little bit, yeah. friend? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Coach Fossil, the the morning he did his run, he would get up every morning at like five a.m. and go run. And I remember like he's sleeping in his office, so he has a sign on the do- on the door saying like "Do not disturb." So we're just like waiting for him to kind of wake up at five. And I had like I happened to have three camera guys there that day because we normally only had two. But I think it was coming off of a game on Sunday, so there was an extra person in town. So I was like, no, we just shot football yesterday. Can we all wake up and do this workout? Like, it'll look really cool if we have three cameras. So um, everyone <laughs> did it. But, yeah, like, so it is. It's it's all, like, you know, these guys, like, sleeping in their offices, mat- the, the inflatable mattresses. That was all real. That was all going on. And where are you um, for that? For uh, where did I like stay? Yes. Are you in a can, are you in a in a trailer nearby? Is that where? <laughs> Not quite that bad, but uh, we would stay. You'd be amazed, like that area where they are, Thousand Oaks and Cal Lutheran. Like those hotels would get booked up so fast. So like I had a different hotel every week. It was kind of annoying. Oh, I had to keep God. moving around. Um, and then finally in December, we kind of had a permanent spot at the Westlake Residence Inn, but. Uh, and there, yeah, there's nothing real fancy in that area either. So, you're but I mean, just... so so when they're physically shooting, you know, at, whether oh, it's yeah. five thirty a.m. or you know yeah. two a.m., where where are you physically for that? You're not in a nearby trailer watching in a control. Oh no, I'm out with them. You're just I'm standing the behind the shooter. Yeah, basically. yeah, I kind of get the camera guys in position. Like the morning we shot with Coach Fossil and stuff, like. We set one guy up like on a long lens type camera and he was actually on the football field and he could shoot up into the mountain where he was running. Then we had another guy, um, he shoots with a camera called the Ronin where he kind of like runs with it. So we put him on a golf cart up at the top of the Named mountain. Named after the movie? Could, like... <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, it would make sense because that was what Ronin was. was, was just fast action moving the whole picture. It, pro- it probably is. I'll have to get one of the camera guys and ask them. Um, 
But yeah, and then another guy was at the bottom kind of capturing a lot of the sound and just like getting him on his start and on the finish and stuff. So like I get everybody in position, then I kind of hang with that guy who's at the bottom until we're all done. But yeah, I'm usually behind the camera. If I'm doing my job correctly, I'm behind the camera somewhere. So um, and same with Greg's office at nighttime. Like I'm like in the doorway, staying out of the way, but throwing some questions at him to get some talking points here and there. So, so, so where were you when you found out that Fisher was fired and how did you find out? I was in the car coming. I had already been to the facility in the morning, checked in with everyone, talked about what we were going to do at practice that day. And then myself and Pat Harris, who directed with me, um, like ran out to go grab breakfast real quick. Um, we were on our way back. I was probably like three minutes away. And my production assistant who runs the robotics cameras called me, asked me where I was. I said, I'll be back in two minutes. What's going on? And he said, coach was just fired. And I was like, what, what, like what? I thought he was kidding. I didn't even, I, I had already talked to coach Fisher that morning. Um, so I was just in complete shock. Uh, I said, all right, I'll be back in two minutes. Hung up the phone. Pat was driving. He looked at me. He's like, what's going on? I was like, coach was just fired. I don't know anything else. We just, we got to get back. So we got back and then we were in the trailer. So we had two eight by 20 trailers right outside of the Rams facility. Um, where all of our stuff was set up. So essentially our like 10 person crew that week, all of us crammed into that little trailer. And um, I caught the tail end of the staff meeting um, and then was able to watch the him and the players, the meeting with the players and stuff. So And are those we cameras on robotics? Oh, sorry. Are those cameras yes. on robotics that are in the room? So when he's yes. telling his players, you do have some control over those cameras and where to direct yes. them. Okay. Yeah, so we actually have... Um, there's usually just one guy running those cameras, but once he started that team meeting, we have three cameras in the team meeting room. So one of our camera guys actually sat down with our production assistant and the two of them ran the cameras together. So one guy was doing two cameras, the other guy was doing one just to make sure like um, we could get all the cutaways. Like now we missed the one spot where you hear the players saying that, that it was their fault and that was Eugene Sims, I believe. Uh, we couldn't figure out who it was, but we were trying like as best as we could to make sure we had like all the proper cutaways and we were capturing the emotion of the moment that was happening. And what about uh, the, the PFT thing, the floor mm -hmm. Mike Florio uh, belly aching about the lack of a camera in the coach's office yeah i mean he's been talking about that for weeks um whether that was going to be shown and like he if you watch all or nothing we we don't have a camera in coach's office we didn't have one in bruce's office last year it's kind of part of the deal um you got to give them some space it's 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 a lot to ask a team to do already to have their meeting rooms tapped into like that and have a staff room so part of the deal with All or Nothing is we don't have a camera in the coach's office. Um, if I don't even know, like, I can't imagine Kevin Demoff or anyone ever calling to say we're going to fire this guy because I would disagree with Mike Florio um, in that it's the same as the players being let go. Um, you know, there's 40-some there's players that are cut at the end of each year. And I think on Hard Knocks, we try to, like, help a lot of those guys too. Like, there's guys like that have gotten picked up like Charles James and people like that, that I think we've helped give an exposure. So we really like, we hate that day at hard knocks too. When the guys are cut, it's awful. Um, and so we hope that we can help them. But like, this is a coach who's been in the league for over 20 years. Uh, I think you got to see plenty of what that day was like. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think we did the best we could in covering that moment and to ever expect the owner of a team to call us because he's firing his head yeah. coach. I think that's just unrealistic. Well, and let me take your, your backup even more. I, I thought that, I thought that his article is really stupid. And for the following reason, I think specifically what your job is now, obviously when things are edited together, everybody who edits it has a perspective of what they want to show and the story that they're trying. And you have only have eight hours, you know, for six months to cover, but to expect number one, that you have a ca camera in every single corner of not only outside on the field, but in the, yeah. the, the building is absurd. And the second mm -hmm. thing is that your job is to cover what you, what you can 
and and with all the cameras that you have and mm-hmm. and specifically from the team's perspective it should not be to tell the story that they want to tell or to, mm-hmm. to for but for you to capture what you can capture and the idea that that Demoff would call you all and give you a heads up that he's about to fire Fisher so that you can set up your cameras in the specific room that he's going to take the phone call when you don't even know what room he might take the phone call in is ridiculous. Yeah. So I, I think I think Mike is is absolutely wrong on this one and is Well and also that would say some dark stuff about them off. Exactly. He, yeah hey little let's turn this is gonna be super entertaining what's about to happen. Right. Make sure you're ready for this. I'm about to to fire this well and, and also you're setting up I mean I'm sorry just one more thing you're setting up a situation that becomes self-conscious right I mean you have these cameras in the room that are set up that that in an ideal world right everybody forgets that the cameras are there and behaves mm-hmm. the way that they sh- should or that they would naturally behave in the situation that's the point of the show which clearly yes. Florio doesn't get and so for you to then go in and put some makeup on Fisher and light the room appropriately for you to capture this moment is not going to get you the reaction that you want anyway. I'm sorry. I just feel really passionately about this point. Yeah, no, I mean, so do we, so do Keith and I, we've been talking about it a lot lately. I mean, and you do, you do miss certain things. Like, I mean, the quarterback decision, like we, you know, we knew that that was going to come down and we knew that was going to happen in coach Fisher's office. So we supplement with interviews later. That's why we interview Jared and case and kind of get their reactions to it. So that's kind of the same way we handle the firing. And like I do, like you said, with the fly on the wall thing, I mean, we even shoot this show a little differently than we do hard knocks because we want to feel further away. We want to just be out of the way. We want the audience to feel like they're watching something that they're not supposed to be watching. So we don't go on the field for this show when we, when we shoot it. We're on the sidelines at all times. Whereas hard knocks, we are kind of behind the line of scrimmage. We're a little closer to everything. So yeah, I, I just I I agree with you guys, <laughs> um, and I and I, I we knew that that was going to happen. We we were prepared for that to happen. Couple uh, couple more overarching things. To me, my favorite thing or among my favorite things is amidst all the tumult and you know the Falcons loss, I I can't get over. And you, as somebody in your line of work, must uh, enjoy it even more. The golden light of Southern California. The reason the movie industry <laughs> is in Southern California to begin with. Isn't it glorious? Is there anything more striking to your eye in the world of pro football than that golden light? Or is it or is it the steely skies of Seattle? Or what what is the, the optimal uh, no, I mean, backdrop fil- for football? Filming at the Coliseum is unreal. Like, I mean, you go into the stadium and you're kind of like, oh, this place is old. And then you see it on the screen and you're like, this is the same stadium. Like, this is where we are on Sundays. Like, I mean, the first time I got to watch the footage of the Seattle game, I just felt like I was watching a major motion picture where I like perfectly positioned every cameraman for every shot that they got. Like our guys are awesome. I mean, like they work their butts off. They know exactly what they're doing. There's a reason that they're standing at different places on the field at all times. But like, I mean, I still like the shot, uh, the game winning shot where Ogletree forces the fumble and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Steve Andrich got that shot. Like, it's like he knew it was coming, but it's almost is because he knows it's coming. He knows where what's important for the story, where he should be. So you get things like that. But yeah, like the coming, the tunnel, I mean, those locker rooms are gross. That tunnel is pretty gross, but it films so beautifully when you come out of it and you go, you come into the daylight and just the, the columns there. And then the weather, like, I mean, well, we were joking with Jared that his first game was in the rain. Um, Cause you don't see that very often in Southern California, but yeah, I mean, we got super lucky at hard knocks too. Cause they played the games around 5 PM. So you like, you couldn't beat that. Like you would get the, um, you know, twilight every day or with those, with those two home games during hard knocks. So yeah, we were, we were very spoiled um, last year being able to live out in that area for eight months. What uh, is so of the shooting area? See, that would be a whole different show. We should do another hour and a half on what NFL cities have the best restaurants and best hotels and everything else, (laughs) because those sorts of things fascinate at least me. What was, your what's what's the bat the, the most captivating i don't mean best in, ter- in a human sense but what do you think was the most compelling moment of the of the series or your favorite moment to extract my favorite moment i mean this is going to sound ridiculous but i have wanted to film 
I grew up getting Christmas trees, like going to buy a real tree <laughs> with my family. And I have wanted to do this for so long, like take a player to go to like a tree farm and get a real tree. So the, I don't think I could have picked a more perfect player to do that with than Will Hayes. When his kids jumped out of the car dressed like elves, I <laughs> knew it was going to be hilarious. Um, so that's like one of my funniest moments. Um, I, I vividly remember the Benny Cunningham huddle when he told everybody that this is how he makes his money and you, this is how they're all mm -hmm. going to lose their jobs if they don't get it together. I mean, I remember hearing that, and that's, like, one of those moments that you just, like, you know it's going to be in the show. Like, no matter how they cut it, where they put it, it's moments like that are going to be in the show. Um, so that was definitely one of my favorite moments. Um, I'm Coach Foss, Coach Fossil's honesty in there his press go. conferences and things like that, like, it's just refreshing almost. Like, it, to me, it was great that, like, the Rams didn't try to, like, censor him and teach him what to say and how to say it. Like, he got to be himself, which was why I think they chose him to be the interim head coach. Um, and it's why everybody loves him. I mean, I tell everybody that he's, like, the kindergarten teacher you want to go to war for. I mean, that's, like, that's why they picked him as the head coach, um, the interim head coach. And I just I, – his honesty was just really refreshing to me towards the end of the season. That, that's so great that you said that because Dave and I have talked about that a little bit. And t to us, or I'll speak for myself, he really comes off as the hero of the show. He's mm -hmm. so – just – I just – I kept writing when I was taking notes just like the – he just seems like a good, good, sincere guy. And I thought you guys showed that really effectively. Yeah, I mean, that was – I. I don't know if Keith talked to you guys about this, but when we started, we kind of realized, well, we knew he was awesome from Hard Knocks, but then it's like, how do you get the special teams coach involved? But then you're like, oh, well, they have one of the better special teams units. Maybe they'll make a big play and we can get them involved. But then, like, it was by accident, we ended up being in one of his meetings um, Saturday night before the game. So we always shot the team meeting on, on Saturday night. So one week, I think we just got there early and we were in the meeting and I, like, looked at Pat and was like, we have to do this every week because if they do return something like and we can use it like this guy's great like he comes up with something every week so from probably like week five on we started shooting his meeting along with the team meeting and then um i started just like telling keith like oh i did a shoot with coach fossil today and he's like shannon are you crazy like i mean that's nice and everything i'm glad you like this guy but like i don't know how we're going to get the special teams coach into the show <laughs> but i was like oh whatever we're just we have some stuff even if it's just like a three minute segment on where he comes from and that his dad was a head coach we, like at least we have him with his family they're all really nice people well, yes so, well, um, yeah <laughs> yeah and that moment serves as amazing foreshadowing that you got him and his kids uh, on the playground, um, mm -hmm. but but aside from the fact that it becomes great foreshadowing, I think that's the first time in the show that we hear like how much these assistant coaches are away from their mm -hmm. families. And I don't remember the stats, but like that he'd been away and sleeping at the office, and then they went to yeah. London or about to, and so it's like weeks at a time that he's not seeing their kids because he's sleeping in the office. I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, I think he's since moved, so hopefully he gets home a little bit more often. But they chose to live at the beach last year, so it was t just tough for him to get home. Um, so he would spend a ton of time at the office. But I think hopefully they're a little closer now so he gets to see them a little more because they're pretty great. I like his family. <laughs> well, uh, like, like we said to Keith, you know, if it makes sense for you when Hard Knock starts up, I mean, I, I know in limited exposure to the Buccaneers between – James Winston, Mike Evans, and Gerald McCoy, you're already overflowing with just those three in personality. All three very funny guys. So I assume you'll do, uh, you'll have great times with those guys. In the meantime, though, we've talked a lot about the, that Jeff Fisher moment, the, the two meetings with the coaches and then with the players. What was so, you know, now I guess you're a little bit on the hot seat. We're not documenting it, but after the fact, um, <laughs> What was it so when Jeff Fisher goes for you, you, you become chummy with him to a degree. Is it like, well, we're not following you anymore, I guess. Uh, can we get that Mike Pack coach? And like, is it, I mean, is it how, do you hug him goodbye? And like, good luck with everything yeah. else, man. Yeah. Well, um, I, I went and talked to him like fairly soon after we found out the news and stuff. And, um, he told me that, he, like, you know, he was all for us finishing the project because we didn't know. We were like, are they going to kick us out of here? Like, what's, go what's go even going to happen now? Um, 
and he was just like he was probably in better spirits than I was. Um, so he was very, you know, really wanted us to finish the project. Told me that, that he would not be and- my way. I would tell <laughs> I would I would go out of my way to see if I could get in your ear and everybody. Else. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if you heard the whole thing's over just to send you home out of spite, <laughs> out of spite. So what? So Demoff calls you later in the day or in the week like, hey, we're not done yet. Like, oh, we got to come back. I mean, I'd be laughing in the side like, ha ha. Fire me, will you? You know? <laughs> I, I was a little worried about that. I, I didn't know. I was like, oh, my God. Like, is this all going to be for nothing? You know, like, but. Wow. I, all he, for nothing. Was, That's a different show. Yeah. That's a totally different show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, no, he, I mean, he was supportive of us staying and, um, and finishing the project out and stuff. And then I talked to Kevin later that day at practice, and he said the same thing that, he wanted us to stay and finish it and document, you know, Coach Fossil and stuff now. So we just kind of kept operating as normal. Like it really was just that day, that that first day of practice, we mic'd Coach Fossil and Coach Mack, I think, which I, that was another fascinating moment. Like watching Coach Mack teach Coach Fossil how to be a head coach mm-hmm. and what the things he needs to look for and stuff. And I think the way it was edited was real well done. Um, just to kind of show everything that's going through this guy's head and all the stuff he needs to learn and on a short week too. So um, we kind of like, yeah, I I touched base with coach before he left the building and then just kept operating as usual after that. And then, you know, I met with coach Fisher every Monday between his, he had a presser at 4 PM and then he would go do his radio show, I believe like five or six o'clock somewhere. And I would meet with him in between we talk about the schedule for the week, who was going to be mic'd, like what was going on. Um, so I didn't have to do that anymore. Um, I just kind of made my own schedule up after that on a week for the next three weeks. But um, a lot of it at that point just revolved around Coach Fossil anyway. Well, uh, I, I don't know if we've said it enough over the five episodes, but really uh, of the of the DDFP talking about your second season, but really just gangbuster stuff. And if nothing else, it deserves your attention for the effort that Shannon and, and staff uh, put into this thing for, I mean, really the better part of an entire year away from your families and everything else. Uh, kudos to you and, and best wishes with hard knocks and the next season. May it, uh, may it be the new England Patriots and, and their untimely <laughs> demise, you know? Like, yes! I think we can all agree. Yeah! We were here to watch Please the fall of the Empire. Oh, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, they would have been kicked out in New England. <laughs> if something like that happened in New England, you know, camera, they would have been destroyed, tapes burned. 47 seconds into the deflated. series. Yes, yes. Like Bill Belichick, like, this isn't going to work out. No, You're gonna have to this go. is just not. Well, Bill did let us follow him in, what was that, 2009? It's kind of almost how the Football Life series was born. And that wasn't on his, up to his standards. You know, that was the year they got crushed by the Ravens in the playoffs. But we still got that film out there. <laughs> well, excellent. Uh, again, enjoy your uh, few weeks until uh, till you get rolling there with our few days, I should say, until you get rolling <laughs> with, uh, with Hard Knocks. In the meantime, congratulations on uh, a Dynamite series. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, congratulations. There she is, Shannon Furman, one of the two directors of uh, All or Nothing. Although now I want to see All for Nothing. All that, for, that was all for nothing. Jeff Fisher kicking people, just lying to people. What he what he did after the fact. Yeah, after after uh, he had those few weeks given to him uh, a free time. Um, so yes, All or Nothing on Amazon. Make sure you check it out. It's uh, it's wonderful. Speaking of wonderful, Brian Baumgartner, that's what you are. Oh, wonderful. Thank you. We had uh, we had a gay time with you visiting us here over the last several weeks. Let's continue the fun into season. Let's figure out a reason. Maybe you just uh, are a Packers guy, you know? I'm your I'm your your NFC North guy. You NFC know? North guy. You just cover all that's happening, but then you all, you come on and the only thing you talk about is the Packers. That sounds about right. Like what? But but they're not. But they're in third place. Like I don't know what you're talking about. Anyway, you think that, they're going to uh, be in third place? No, I don't. Uh, but uh, but you know that'd be that that maybe is the angle for us. Okay. All right. Or. Well, you already have done that series, you playing golf with people, but you on the links with these NFLers, that'd be something. And then Damashek tagging along. There you go. Maybe. Maybe. Shannon Furman following, too. <laughs> if she's behind the us. camera. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Do you yeah. think she would do it? Probably. She might have to leave NFL Films to do it. It's uh, a full-time job. 
me on the golf course. <laughs> it's a full-time job. Um, listen, uh, last thing, I'm going to say it one more time, all or nothing, check it out. It uh, whets the appetite for now, the looming 2017 NFL season, so make sure you check that out. Uh, Brian Baumgartner, what else? What, anything else you, you want to you, you wanna share? Don't play the outro music yet. Now you're cutting them off. Oh, I, I could have timed it. Okay. I don't know. Oh, no. You want to say anything to the people? I, you no. Farewell to I want to say thank to you. You've been so kind and so yes. generous. Yes. And so sexy. Oh. And so unshaven. There's so many things that you've been since I've been here. But no, I really appreciate uh, the time. It's been a blast. I it, love it. It has. Uh, it has for everybody. I think uh, everybody behind the glass. Mark Brady, Ryan Bartlett. They said you got to do this. I said five episodes. About. Are you sure? Like, oh, there's going to be that interesting and. No, they. I. I am happy to be wrong because it's. Uh, it's been uh, interesting and then some getting to kibitz with you and great fun at that. Go back and in fact, if you enjoyed that one, listen to the Keith Cosro episode we did on this. The coordinating producer, the AJ Hawk one was great. Carson Palmer, lots of fun. Bottom line, they were all great stuff. Uh, we'll be back getting you ready. It's coming. It's ever closer. We're now really minutes away, if you think about it. We really from, are. From the kickoff of the 2017 NFL season. We'll be back with more Huey and Applesauce for you later on. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility.